Welcome to the Manor. Welcome back to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. And I'm James. Still drinking some weird-ass rhubarb concoction with rhubarb liqueur and gin. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still drinking my shadow. Wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you, Vinger? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm still drinking that Orpheus Brewing Imperial Coconut Stout. Yeah, that'll give you an idea of what episode we recorded just before this. Yeah. Although this time they may actually come out kind of close together. Cool. Although, That's to be weird. honest, as you were talking about your beer, I finished mm-hmm. my second one of the mm-hmm. rhubarb things. So now I'm pouring a wee bit of the Ardbeg Wee Beastie five year smoky ass scotch. The monster of a dram. Young and intensely smoky with the rich, explosive mouthfeel of chocolate, tar, and savory meats, cracked black pepper, and sappy pine resin on the snout. Snout. Damn, that is smoky motherfucker. Whew, I love the shit. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, what are we talking about this time, Jody? Um, I, uh... Uh, something about uh, running with the demon or something. <laughs> running with the demon. Oh, no, I can't even. Never mind. That would have been a good title, too. I had it called Van Halen Meets the Demon of New York, sort of as a take of Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. Apropos, either way. <laughs> you're, you're running with the demon actually would have been better. <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> <laughs> So kind of a crossover episode that has been mentioned. Uh huh. A little bit of Van Halen, a little bit of Kiss. Yep. But there'll be a little bit of a Black Sabbath there towards the end too. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I actually have written notes on this one, so that's more than I got. <laughs> uh, if I could say a few words, I'd be a better public speaker. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so. We shall start back in 1978. Yes, because it was around that time. Yeah, harken, harken back to the late 70s. Yes. Metal was on the decline with bands such as Deep Purple and Mountain having disbanded, Sabbath and Kiss yep. selling fewer records. Led Zeppelin was on a hiatus, more or less. Punk? Yeah, that was, um, yeah, they were. Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, we're going to get around to talking about that. I won't go into it. <laughs> Eventually, but yeah. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Just before they tried to get back together and things happened. Yeah. But punk, light rock, and disco were rising, and even rock's ardent writers such as Lester Bangs were saying metal was over. <laughs> Lester Bangs was up. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have nice things to say about Lester Banks. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> He's to me, he was the epitome of what Jimmy Page was talking about when he said critics were failed musicians. Fortunately, though, Van Halen and the True Garage Backyard Band were going to make it big again, big with a big attitude. After years of busting their ass and creating their own following, they're going to help bring it back. West Coast American metal was going to be a thing with energy partying good times and enough social commentary and david lee ross lyrics to keep it from being too overbearing 
Yeah. I've seen the terms pop metal and glam metal bandied about for the band. We might discuss that. We'll see what we get to. But for the moment, however, I'd like to say, before we get to that point in time, when they released their debut album in 1978, we're just going to jump in the TARDIS a little bit and see how one of James's and Jody's favorite bands. Sorry, James put this together. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. See how they, well, okay, here, what I actually wrote was one of James's favorite bands and one of Jody's favorite bands intersected when Gene Simmons tried to help Van Halen out. Because yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say Van Halen's probably also one of my favorite bands because at least the David Lee Roth era. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about that the other day because I put Van Halen on uh, just kind of rotate when I was driving home. And Ooh, I did Sammys, that the other day too. <laughs> did you? <laughs> uh, but a lot, a lot of Sammys came up this time and I was thinking to myself, you know, I actually do like DLR's era better, but something about Hagar's because he was in the band when we were in our high school band yeah and i know carl really dug van halen so carl and i bonded over van halen and sammy so you know when i hear sammy stuff i do have good memories of it that's cool i mean i you know i don't i don't hate it i i i at the time i didn't listen to it because well reasons but um i I, I've, i've come to appreciate the sammy stuff better um i just you know i still prefer the dave stuff I have a little note here that says, should we discuss who's better or which is better in a different way? And then I have an extra note in there that says, not if we want to keep this episode short, that would be better. (laughs) So we will, we will, (laughs) we'll see as we talk about this, what we think. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. To relate back to a pre, well, okay. I'm going to say to relate back to a previous episode. I think it's because i already have notes together with how van halen started that we haven't done yet <laughs> uh, yeah i was gonna i was kind of wondering <laughs> yep so to relate back to a previously written but not recorded episode uh, van halen was a power trio with bassist dennis travis and eddie and alex uh-huh eddie actually being the vocalist at the time and they they did, did love that but i could see it yeah yeah he's a, not bad Kind of like Halloween episode where we talked about the guitarist and being the vocalist and it's hard to do and it's easier just to focus on one thing yeah. when you're the lead. But they, uh, I, I will say real quick, because these are my notes here, they loved and mm-hmm. replicated the band Cactus's song Parchman Farm, which, okay. is a, which is a cover of Mose Allison, which is based off of Bucka White's Parchman Farm Blues. And I bring this up because who's in Cactus? Going to get the last name wrong because I forget which brother pronounces it which way, but Carmine Apice. Carmine Apice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Vinny, Vinny pronounces it Apice. Damn it. <laughs> Bastards. I had to stop and think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. But anyway, uh, so they, you know, at this time, they do a lot of battle of the bands, but their lack of stage presence always hurt them between. No, because Eddie would have to just like he'd stand there and sing and play because he's good, but a stage presence when he's trying to do both. Yeah. So enter David Lee Roth. And Dennis Travis, of course, wasn't sure he's wanting to focus on it. So instead, we'll go more into this when we do the Van Halen forming episode. But Michael Anthony comes in and his backing vocals helped a lot. Oh, yeah. At this time, as they're all forming as a four piece, 
putting things together, getting things set. They're really starting to make it big that we'll get into. Going to jump mm-hmm. to where Gene comes in. Okay. Gene. So that would 70- be 1976, wouldn't it? This would be 1976. Ooh, yeah. Good call. Do, you, do you know the month, fucker? <laughs> um, I'm going to say June. Well, he could have started in June. But as this is occurring, this would be October. Okay. Because, you know. Uh, so what my note says is Gene Simmons was in the market to manage and produce a band. Mm-hmm. This being October 1976. Yeah. Uh, so Jody probably knows when he started better. So probably sooner in the year. Um, no, not really. No, okay. Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah. June, October. Um, I, just, I, I mostly know it was 76, and Gene, Gene caught them at a club, I think. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Beth was in the top 20. Destroyer was pushing platinum. And as an FYI, Gene is a guy who will pretend not to give a shit to throw everyone off. So not going to feel like reiterating this every fifth sentence when I go into the notes about how Gene acted throughout this time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they were kind of running big right now, and he wanted to manage and produce a band. Mm-hmm. Jackie Fox and Lita Ford of the Runaways were yep. heavily, they, who knew Gene, they were heavily pushing two bands, Van Halen and George Lynch's band, The Boys. Oh, we've mentioned them. We, we have in the uh, finger picking, um, tapping, finger tapping episode. Yes. Yes, we have. Yeah. Boys with the Z. Yeah. Um, we've not talked about the runaways a whole lot, but I do have, I do have a couple of books. I guess I need to actually reread one of them and read the other and put notes together. Jean was, I, I, I don't know about Lita. I know Jackie said Jean was trying to date her at first and she kept shooting him down because she was like, you know, I'm 16, right? <laughs> 16's legal in most states. <laughs> uh, yeah, but she was also like, yeah, you're too old for me. <laughs> well, you know, I, I can I can see that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's when when was Gene born? Late 40s? Uh, I think 50s? so, yeah. <laughs> I think like uh, 49. So. 49, yeah. Little, so he was older. mid-20s. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep. Which isn't old unless you're 16. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the Runaways bandmates had seen mm-hmm. Van Halen demolish UFO and their guitarist Michael Schenker earlier in the year. Don't doubt that at all. Nope. So the girls talked Gene into going to Gazari's Halloween party in late October, mm-hmm. where he saw the boys play. Yeah. And he was quite impressed and said he would see them later when they played at the Starwood. Starwood. Yes. So a few days later, Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley go to the Starwood. And up to that, no one had any idea what they looked like because they were still in their makeup. Yeah. The boys did really not do all that great. Do you know who did do a good job that night? Who was also playing the Starwood? (laughs) Uh, uh, Mammoth. Uh, I mean, Van Halen. (laughs) Mammoth Van Halen. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yep. Gene was very impressed with Van Halen, who rocked it. By the third song, people would talk about how he would start to nod his head in time to the music. Cool. And he was especially impressed by Eddie, but he hated the band name and would soon try to get them to use the name. Ooh, I, yeah, I thought you were going to jump in there. <laughs> I don't. I, 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 I'm sure I know it, but I can't think of it. Oh, you will. As soon as I say Daddy Long Legs, you'll be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Daddy Long Legs. Really? Really, Gene? <laughs> well... Gene's genius does not always extend to naming things. 
<laughs> no, no, it does not. <laughs> At least, at least for this one, I, I, I'm not sure. I if the notes in here somewhere have it or not, but I know he even made a little logo for them featuring a daddy long legs. And <laughs> so anyway, Simmons did spend a fair amount of time that night giving them music industry advice. Yeah. So very cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Gene. And they talked again the next day and set up a time to start a demo in LA at the village recorders just hours after uh, their, their show. So, well, you know, next yeah. day, I guess their show, went into the morning and then they talked and started so yeah although a lot of the rhythm was done in los angeles simmons invited all four Mm -hmm. members to new york because he wanted them to uh, stay a band yeah at least according to simmons i've heard demos from that time period a lot of the songs that they wound up recording on later albums not just the debut album um I mean, a lot of, I mean, going all the way through the 1984 albums, I think were a lot of the demos were recorded around this time, but I'm not sure if Gene's the one that produced all of those. I think I've got that coming up here. Okay. Okay. Cool. I think somewhere here. Um, so a note to the listeners, my notes were pretty much in order, but I'd had one more round to do than Jody and I thought, fuck it, let's do one more episode today. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. So, so it'll be a bit of bouncing around, but I'm pretty sure that's in here coming up either very soon or as it bounces back. Cool. New York, they finished the demo at Electric Ladyland with some overdubs mm-hmm. by Eddie, which Eddie hated. Yeah, I, I remember him talking about because that's not the way he played and he didn't understand why he couldn't just play it the way he played live. <laughs> well, and some bands do good recording live because of their energy. Yeah. And some additional work by the Roth was done here too. Then Simmons invited the band to watch Kiss rehearse because they were about to go on a big tour. And he had their manager, Bill Acoin, show up, who was mm-hmm. not impressed with Van Halen. No, he was not, surprisingly. Well, part of this was because Van Halen jammed there for Bill and the band, but they were using Kiss's instruments and they weren't familiar with them. Oh, yeah. That makes and, a difference. Al- and also just didn't seem to be in the mood. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, next day they went into a coin's office and discovered they're not going to be signed. Instead, right. a coin was going to sign a band called Piper featuring Billy Squire. Yes. Yes. Part of this also stems from Paul Stanley telling a coin to not get Van Halen because he wanted Simmons to stay focused on kiss and not on some other band. True. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Gene, I think Gene had a contract with Van Halen when he realized that a coin wasn't going to sign them and Casablanca was not going to sign them. He let them out of their contract. He, he let them out of the contract, gave them the demos and Warner brothers snatched them up. <laughs> it's that part. We'll get to another Van. <laughs> yeah. But that's cool. Yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't know Gene. And of course, remember, anything gene or eddie or david like whatever they all say it's been you know yeah kind of kind of apply a filter to it yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh, they did use the excuse that they did not hear any commercial potential in van halen (laughs) Uh uh-huh yep (laughs) and evidently ross singing was also an issue and i did read that david lee roth had to take some singing lessons even after they got signed, like as they were recording, they're like either just before they started recording their first album or as they were recording because it was still rough. Oh, yeah. If you've heard him sing live, 
Dave has the Robert Plant issue when he performs live. He never sings it the same way twice. He doesn't remember the lyrics. <laughs> well, even he, when he writes times the he songs, will fuck up the he lyrics. doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. He, I, he, will, he will improvise. Oh, he's a showman. He loves to improvise. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's, it's actually, it, it's, it's one of the things that I liked about Robert Plant on live recordings. And it's one of the things that I like about David Lee Roth on live recordings. Um, it's kind of a pain in the ass when you're trying to harmonize with other people as, <laughs> um, uh, 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 what's her, what's, uh, who did, uh, shit. Robert Plant did the Raising Sand album. Allison Krauss. Allison Krauss. Yeah. When they recorded that album, she was like, Robert, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, he actually had to take some sort of lessons from her on how to do that harmonization. <laughs> yeah, because he'd never sing it the same way twice. And it was, you know, so he's all over the place. You know, he's hitting different notes. He's, he's hitting the notes in the right key, but he's hitting different notes. He's, you know, coming in at different you know, he's, he's, he's kind of not, not necessarily off on the timing, but the, it, the it doesn't match yeah. the previous way he sang it. <laughs> but he talks about how much he learned from her and he gives her all sorts of credit. So he wasn't mad. He was, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he was very happy, you know, to, to, to learn how to do that. But yeah, because he, he'd always been the only singer <laughs> and the same, same thing with Dave. You know, the only time it, it wasn't, it wasn't like he had to, you know, I, I mean, you had Eddie and, and Michael Anthony doing the backing vocals and, and Dave could just sing on top of it. He didn't have to match what they were doing. Well, <laughs> no, Michael and Eddie would just be like, over it. all right, here's where we go. Ah, so we're going to go, ah, and Dave's going to go, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the funny thing is, everybody says that, Dave's it was his attitude that pushed Van Halen to the front, which offset his vocal abilities. <laughs> yeah, and and the thing is, I I love Dave's vocals. I do. It was such a perfect voice for what they were doing. <laughs> yeah, and his on stage. <laughs> yes, his persona on stage was just again. Go back and watch the US Festival footage on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure it's a persona. You I think won't that's understand why Van Halen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, look, my next note. It was something everyone knew. And even later on, when they were about to record the demo for Warner Brothers, Roth started taking vocal lessons. <laughs> 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 oh, okay. So here's where it's going to jump around. I'm going to kind of go in the forward a little bit, then I'll, I'll end up jumping back. But since that's what Jody and I do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so van halen goes back to california and kiss they go out on tour yeah uh would have been for rock and roll over because i think that came out in november i will take your word on that well i know i know it was the other album that came out in 76 so um i think it came out in november well, and that and, and what you were saying about paul pushing piper instead of van halen because he wanted gene to focus on kiss that makes a lot of sense <laughs> <laughs> because that was a problem they ran into in the 80s oh man i love listening to paul talk about that <laughs> kiss in the 80s was largely a paul stanley solo project <laughs> because gene was not around as much little bit 
I'm going to act in this movie. Then I'm going to produce this band. (laughs) (laughs) And Paul's like, all right, I'm going to get some co-writers and do some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good call, by the way. I'm going to hire our fourth guitarist. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe this one will stay in the band for a couple albums. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, you're a good call. November 11th, 1976. (laughs) Woo-hoo. <laughs> couldn't have told you the day but <laughs> in <Well>. november destroyer <laughs> came out in march hey jody what'd you have for lunch fuck if i know but i'm pretty sure kiss released this album in november <laughs> so after the tour simmons uh-huh. does reconnect with them but this time he starts leaving david lee roth out <laughs> he, he invites the band places specifically eddie but he invites the whole band including shows but then doesn't leave tickets for roth roth would show up anyway and get in and make sure everyone knew van halen was a band and nobody's going to split them up (laughs) (laughs) that that sounds like roth (laughs) and this is the time during the sessions where alex and eddie played demos of love for sale tunnel of love and christine 16 yes yes they are they are on those demos yep and jody even mentioned in an episode that ace would reproduce eddie's solo and Christine 16 as much as he could. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Eddie really, um, he didn't cut loose on that one. So it wasn't really that hard for Ace to reproduce it. Oh, yeah. It wasn't his eruption stuff. Right. Uh, which does kind of, uh, so, okay. So I think I'm going to get into this later. So I'll hold off a little bit. Okay. But I will say, as a final bit of revenge, years later, in the spring of 1984, Roth saw Simmons. Very nice, very cordial. He asked mm-hmm. Gene if you'd like to come watch Van Halen play at the forum. And then when Gene showed up, he didn't leave any tickets for him. <laughs> that also sounds very much like David Lee Roth. It does. I uh, would I'd do that too. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> that's classic. Now, I will say, jumping ahead a little bit, mm-hmm. that Templeman did use Gene's Ted. demo tapes. Yeah, um, playing to Landy. These are the engineers and producers for Van Halen's first album. Uh, which, if we would have done that episode first, when I say Templeman and Landy, you would have a better damn idea of who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, Land, Land, Landy? Landy, yes. Landy, okay. Yeah, him I'm not familiar with, but Ted Templeman, yeah. very familiar with him. Yeah, well, so I'm trying to remember. Um, I know between engineers, producers, and Warner Brothers label executives is yeah. where some of these upcoming names are going to come from that. You'll get a better idea when we do that episode. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, James. <laughs> uh, and it may have helped that they did get Mo Osteen, who's Warner Brothers, to catch the band live where they did decide to sign them. Although, truth be told, Mo really dug heavy music as it was. So it helped sign them, but Mo didn't have to be convinced because they were a heavy band. It just helped that they kicked ass. And Templeman has given kudos to Gene Simmons for his work on Van Halen's first demo tapes. Uh, specifically regarding Running with the Devil and the Air Raid Horn intro. Yeah. Um, I'm not always sure why Ted gave Gene a lot of credit because it was Eddie and one of his tech friends that worked that out and insisted it being on the demo. Eh, It's okay. You know, Gene does sometimes take credit when it's not Gene's. (laughs) And we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Eddie's guitar work though panning between the sides did come from Gene's demo though and and that may have been more Gene or at least as much Gene so that's yeah. cool yeah uh, the biggest some of the biggest things were 
is where Templeman and Landy would change the tempo to make it more swaggering and really lean into Eddie's guitar god mode. So you'll okay. you'll you're, you'll hear some differences there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to come back here just for a second for Van Halen, but here's some Black Sabbath. Okay. Kiss had opened for Black Sabbath in 1975. Yeah, yeah and then Sabbath banned them from ever touring with them again. <laughs> For the 1978 Never Say Die tour, the first leg of which would be a month in the UK, they wanted a band who would not steal the show like Kiss had done. (laughs) (laughs) And and I know on that tour, they had Van Halen. They instructed their management team to find the bar band from Los Angeles. So naturally, they went out to check out their openers on the first show and made it to the side of the stage in time to see Eddie Van Halen solo and were blown away by it. (laughs) <laughs> so there yeah. they stood looking at the ferocity getting pissed off went back to the dressing room dejected later opened the door because david lee roth wanted to introduce himself and ozzy went and there's the best looking man in the world who walked in and said hello <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, poor, poor guys <laughs> you know it's just it's a different sound kiss and van halen have a very different sound than sabbath they do yeah much do. Fa- faster yes yeah (laughs) so Uh, you know know, going back to kiss on that though sabbath was not the only band that refused to let kiss tour with them queen did too yep (laughs) i think you mentioned that in an episode or there were (laughs) there were a lot of bands and i think argent kicked them off the tour because um kiss was stealing the show as the opening act and they would They'd, the, the, the crowd would keep calling them back for encores and eventually Argent's management would pull the power. They'd turn the power off. So, so Kiss couldn't play. And, and one night they're, they're playing and they come back out and they do another encore and they do another encore and they do another encore and they kind of look at each other and go, you know, we're past the point where the power usually goes out. Kiss's road crew had locked Argent's manager in one of the uh, <laughs> uh, equipment cases. <laughs> nice. Yeah. They were off that tour after that. Well. <laughs> You know, fuck it. We're going to go out on a blazing note. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and speaking of touring with uh-huh. another different band, actually similar to Argent and Sound, was Van Halen had just finished some touring in the States with Journey. Oh, wow. Okay. Yep. Even, uh, even, even had some technical difficulties. Oh, uh, I do tell a lie. Whoops. Uh-oh. This was after Black Shame Sabbath had been in the States with Journey. <laughs> <laughs> But it's hard to tell exactly the show because Ozzy's storytelling abilities and memory issues make it difficult sometimes. True. <laughs> Very true. But it was, it was on the UK tour with Sabbath that Van Halen's album, debut album, went gold. And they were um, in Aberdeen, Scotland. Eddie found some gold paint to paint the hotel rooms with the other band members joining in. And they were kicked out and told never to come back to Scotland. And a little bit more on Sabbath. After their debut album went platinum, they actually did end up opening for Sabbath a second time in the U.S. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought they toured with Sabbath in the States, too. Yep. Yeah, Tony Iommi told Ozzy to give Van Halen a dressing down because they were doing a, so much better. And when Van Halen asked Ozzy why he was yelling at them, he couldn't remember because he didn't actually remember the conversation he had just had with Iommi seconds before. <laughs> I, you know, I love those old Sabbath and Ozzy stories. <laughs> well, here, here's another it's on the same tour that Roth and Osborne had a Krell war. A Krell <laughs> war. Krell is slang for cocaine. 
you know, you know <laughs> I, okay, I've not heard this story. Who won? <laughs> they actually both stopped early in the morning because they realized they needed to play later. But David Lee Roth won because Van Halen went on to play just fine. Ozzy went to the wrong hotel room because all the <laughs> hotels looked the same. And he thought they were in the previous town's hotel. I know that story. <laughs> he crashed. Nobody could find him because he's in the wrong room. And they had to cancel the Sabbath show and reschedule it, which caused the riot. <laughs> I, I knew that part of the story. I did not realize that was what caused it. Yep. And to Ozzy's credit, he actually owns up to it all. Drug oh, yeah. problems and all. And saying Van Halen was young and going to kick ass, even though David Lee Roth was only six years younger than Ozzy. So no, yeah. Alex would have only been five years younger than Ozzy. Yeah. Still. <laughs> Little extra note on the album, just because I think it fit here better. Mm -hmm. So this is the very end of their first album era. Mm -hmm. Warner Brothers had bankrolled the first year of success, so the band actually owed Warner Brothers a million dollars. But part of this was because they held on to the publishing rights, so in the end they would do much better. Oh, yeah. And okay, so here's where my notes kind of go a little wongly boo. <laughs> Not wonky. <laughs> Nope, not wonky, wonky, boo. They're even worse than wonky. Oh, okay. Uh, Simmons stated in his autobiography, Kiss and Make Up, that Eddie Van Halen wanted to fill Fraley's spot. So here Gene is saying that Eddie wanted to come in. And this is a little bit later. Uh, that was during Creatures of the Night. Uh, Simmons and Eddie's brother Alex convinced Eddie to remain with Van Halen, though. Yeah. Eddie was anxious to break up Van Halen because of tensions with David Lee Roth, who would soon leave the band. Yeah. So, you know, close to close to 84. So it's, it's kind of I'll, jumping in the head, but you can see where there's still some overlap with Gene. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've, I mean, I've heard that story and I've, I've kind of heard Eddie kind of deny it, but it was mostly Gene that would tell that story. Well, of course, so. and Gene insists that when he was doing the demos, he wanted Van Halen to stay a band, but in David Lee Ross' autobiography and a couple other people close with the band, <laughs> such as Wally Olney, they mm -hmm. kept saying Gene was trying to recruit Eddie and would have taken Alex too. Yeah. And well, Eddie's and, actually never given his side of the story for wanting to join Kiss. Yeah, and we'll never, we'll never know. No. Uh, not now. <laughs> at this point, yeah, not now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have heard that, and, and um, I've, I've heard that Gene was the one that actually talked Eddie out of doing that because he was, you know, for one thing, it would have been really obvious who the new guy was. It would have changed the sound immensely. <laughs> yes, yes, it would have. Already famous. Yeah, and that was the other part of it, and. Um, Kiss contractually had reasons to keep Ace in the band. They, they, they lied to the record company up to the point where they went out on tour. Oh yeah, Ace was still in the band several yeah. times because of the proportion of band members originals they had to have to the, keep. Yeah, uh, a little bit more on the the demo. Oh, okay, cool. So here's where it kind of had some notes that I didn't get fit in. Perfect. Right. Uh, but after seeing the still unsigned band perform. Uh, Gene Simmons offered to do a series of demos to produce mm -hmm. them. And these are the widely available as the bootleg zero album. Okay. Uh, still getting their sound together. Wasn't perfect, but it did really showcase Eddie still and did show that David needed some vocal lessons. Mm -hmm. uh, but Michael Anthony with his voice helped. Yeah. And it did say Simmons, by the way, was unable to secure a deal for Van Halen. After the zero recordings were completed, he re okay, here we go. He released them from their contract, a rare mm -hmm. business fumble for the money obsessed bassist. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so they did have a okay, did have that in there. Yeah. And like you said, they would keep doing things up through 94. Uh, House of Pain was on the demo and on 84. 
Okay. But it was a little bit a song with the same title and riff would appear on 84, but this the demo version was a little more unhinged. The tempo was amped up, the vocal performance was a bit different. So it changed, but mm-hmm. House of Pain was on the demo and was on their last pre-Hagar era album. Yeah. Uh, other than that, let's see. What are the little things? Nope. Said that, said that, said that. Now it looks like I was trying to insert those and I repeated all my other notes. <laughs> Sweet. No. Van Halen. And Kiss. <laughs> and, and Black Sabbath. Oh my. <laughs> hey, that was it. I only had those two little uh two little short notes and those two paragraphs that I forgot to put in where they needed to go. Cool. That wasn't so bad. All right. Awesome. Hot dog. Oh, that was Led Zeppelin. <laughs> oh, hot dog. It's the only time Led Zeppelin did a country song. One of my favorite songs on that album, actually. <laughs> yeah, mine too. I actually played that for somebody that was a big country fan. I was like, what do you think? They were like, oh, I was really good. I went, yeah, it was Led Zeppelin. <laughs> what? <laughs> <Yeah>. Suck it. <laughs> so they're better than all your country artists. <laughs> Shocked. Shocked, I say. <laughs> Anyway, that's what I have on the <laughs> running with the demon. <laughs> Me too. Cool. I didn't even have notes. <laughs> well, no, you just know shit about the kiss. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. See what I did there? <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> you, you just weren't laughing at it because it really wasn't funny. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I, I didn't. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I, just, I, I took the easy way. <laughs> but if any of you want to try, you should rate us, review us, and like us. <laughs> yeah, all that. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't funny, though, either. <laughs> no, 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 but it was, it was very well-timed. <laughs> Uh, yep we're all over the place just find us and say hey yeah we're all over the place you can tell just by listening <laughs> we're all over the place we're also on all sorts of social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey did i tell you this beer was 10 percent? <laughs> you did not i should have you said imperial so i assumed it was seven or eight you did not say it was 10 good for you <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> it was a full pint <laughs> nice the big 16 <laughs> i think so yeah nice. uh, just it says one pint that's all it says are you good I, if, if you can't tell <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling good <laughs> what you think of the beer it's good <laughs> what you think of the episode it's good <laughs> what did heather say about losing her virginity to james yeah it was okay <laughs> On that note, I'm James. (laughs) I'm Jody. (laughs) And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye. The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. I'm going to shit my pants if I put that one through the backwards thing and it actually says something. Give me your soul. (laughs) (laughs) You you should, just to see what it does. (laughs) I'm going to have to now, but... (laughs) (laughs) Put put that in the outtakes. Think so. Thing. I appreciate you asking. Yeah, sure. No problem. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of burning when I peed there for a while. <laughs> I bet it was. And everybody's like, really? Your other notes have been sparkling? <laughs> <laughs>